This episode of the Cinemavention podcast is brought to you by Routing Wonk, RozJ001, Alex Hanna, and Wabbit Magic. Want to find out how to become one of the names listed? Go to patreon.com slash is one to find out how. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I've not seen the movie Back to the Future. Increasing his cultural IQ, one movie at a time. This is Cinemavention. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast. We made it to the second episode. Hey, look at that. Uh, This is the show where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Back to the Future, which my guest has seen before. He is the founder of the Samcast Network and is a podcaster, streamer extraordinaire. Uh, Please welcome Samuel Lewis to the show. How are you doing, Sam? Doing great. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing great. Uh, it's it's good to have you on the show, man. Uh, I'm I'm so excited to talk about uh, Back to the Future. Um, no spoilers about my opinion for the show, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um, so uh, let's go over um, some of the uh, the stats of the movie uh, before we get into uh, things here. Uh, Back to the Future is available for rent or purchase on all major internet distributors. Uh, Pick your favorite. Um, And is it was a weird uh, streaming deal. So it's available to watch uh, via on demand on uh, various over the top cable services. Um, I watched it on YouTube TV VOD. Um, So I I know it used to be available on Prime. So check JustWatch.com for the latest updates on where it is streaming wise. Uh, But that is where it is as of this recording. Uh, Back to the Future was released by Universal Pictures on July 3rd, 1985. The movie was directed by Robert Zemix and stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson and Crispin Glover, just to name a few of the actors and actresses. Uh, the movie had a budget of $19 million and made $388.8 million in theaters. Uh, Sam, when was the first time that you saw this movie? I was trying to pinpoint like a year and stuff like that, but I, I'm crap at dates. And that is one of my weaknesses is dates whenever it comes to it, despite being a history nerd and everything. Um but I think that I was at least 10 whenever I saw this movie. Um, Cause it's not exactly that problematic of a movie to show a kid, right? There's a couple of swear words in it and maybe like one scene you might have to explain to your child. If you're being an actual parent, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mm-hmm. that's a horrible concept. Uh, right. <laughs> but, okay. I'll put, I'll put my sarcasm off to the side now, uh, <laughs> but but no, because of that, uh, the the one thing that sits for me with this movie is it's my first time travel story, period. Um, and you know this about me. Other people know this about me. I love time travel as a genre itself. And this this is the granddaddy. This is the one that started me on that path was Back to the Future. Yeah, no, that that's that's really good. And um and yeah, no, I I've always been fascinated with um the time traveling concept and you know and, and and this movie really is I feel like the basis of 
you know, all discussions regarding to, you know, what if we were to ever create a time machine? Like, how, mm. like, what would be the ramifications of doing so? Like, w- would we potentially mess up time and space if we ever did, um, you know, time travel? And, you know, those are all like, there's all valid questions because, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it may not be here now, but with the way technology progresses, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually comes out. It may be several decades, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it's all, it's inevitable to me. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, oh, yeah. I love the very concept of it. I pray to God we never get it. I don't trust us <laughs> with time travel, to be honest. I love it as a narrative idea, but it's like, someone would try to do something probably out of the kindness of their hearts look up killing hitler or something like that you know some yeah. situation we've yeah. talked about stopping myriad of ways. yeah stopping a terrorist just, attack or something yeah yeah and they would screw something up in the balance it's i'm i'm very much one of those laws of time don't disturb bits of history sort of time travel per people so it's it that's where I sit on the different rules of time travel, as it were. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of one of those sticklers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you do make up a good point because, you know, us humans, we can't be trusted to do much of anything these days. So, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Like, you got a point there. But, um, mm. but, uh, but spoiler alert for my uh, rating of the movie, I did enjoy this movie quite a lot i i i had such a good time watching this this is a great movie however i did have some gripes with it and i figured we'll (laughs) we'll start we'll start with the um with my gripes about it um and we get can get those out of the way you know out in the open and then we can talk about how great the movie is sound good sounds good to me all right so uh, and I'm just going to go in order of um, the movie. I figure um, I figure that's easiest uh, to do. Um, so it starts out in the very beginning of the, the of the movie, right? You get the uh, you get all the clocks um, ticking around, um, ticking around. I don't know. <laughs> but you've got you got the clocks uh, going and making all that noise. And uh, Marty McFly is riding his skateboard to school. And he holds on to the backup of a pickup truck. And this is a running theme. Every time he (laughs) rides a skateboard of some kind, he's always like trailing behind somebody else. Like he's always trailing behind another vehicle. Um, And uh, in the watch party, we were commenting on how, um, you know, this would not be actually possible. Um, You'd have someone either, you know, yelling, uh, yelling him to buzz off probably more obscene (laughs) words than that perhaps um you know or perhaps you know stopping very suddenly intentionally something like that you know um and so like i that that wasn't that one was wasn't a personal uh great for me but i did um but a lot of people in the watch party had a problem with it um so i figured i'd bring it up side note though lots of product placement it was amazing (laughs) It was amazing to see that old version of the Burger King logo. Mm, that that Burger King logo was one of the things that I noticed instantly. I mean, the great thing about watching this movie for this podcast is I have never 
watched Back to the Future analytically before. I mean, I've done a fan podcast for years, so now I've got that thing in my skull, but I've never watched Back to the Future like this before. So the things that I noticed in this movie, and we'll talk about them, I've never noticed before with some of this stuff. And like, yeah. looking at that Burger King logo, I was like, oh my God, look at it. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do wonder if the whole, uh, and I wish I could remember the name of that because the thing of grabbing onto the car has a very specific name and I cannot remember to save my life. Um, I wonder if that practice wasn't a bit more acceptable maybe at the time period. Nowadays, everyone's going to go, as you said, beat it, get off, you know, but yeah, I wonder. Yeah, Maybe perhaps- this is me being <laughs> bright-eyed and innocent because I'm typically that guy in the Diamond Club that goes bright-eyed and innocent. <laughs> it's kind of my job around here. Uh, yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? It's it's possible. Yeah, you know, like uh, I'm sure nowadays if you uh, did that, there would be uh, some fingers uh, being pointed. And I think you know which fingers I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was kind of the first thing that we noticed right out the get-go. Um, and, um, even before that, um, Marty, there's a scene right at the very beginning where Marty is in his garage. I assume that's where it is. Um, that's Doc Brown's garage. That's actually, oh, it's in in Doc Brown's garage. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's why all those crazy things are, which to me is one of the iconic places in this movie just that small amount of time we spend in doc brown's lab tells you everything you need to know about this man just with all of that stuff if you look hard enough (laughs) yeah uh but uh but marty is in doc's garage um and um and actually yeah the, the yeah that's a good point that like we rarely ever see um like doc's garage at all in the movie we see it maybe like twice three times maybe right Mm -hmm. and it's and it's not even the same garage like we we only see the one of him in his small house and then whenever we go back in time that's a different house so we don't even get to see the same garage (laughs) sure yeah yeah but um but there's a giant speaker uh that marty is using to practice his guitar skills and and he's <laughs> and he cranks the volume all the way up on the guitar, on the amp, and on the speakers. <laughs> By the way, a big it was like a giant amp, giant speakers, and then just a tiny guitar. Like like <laughs> like that was just hilarious to me. But mm. like, but he turns everything up to eleven, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and he and he uh, and he lets out one note. And he just like <laughs> the whole thing just blows up. I'm just like, what did you think was going to happen, buddy? Like, come on. Which I have seen examples of that on small scales. They didn't come up with that just as an idea. I have seen amps that have been blown out like that because someone was too stupid with the settings <laughs> and everything. This was sure. just on a bigger scale, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and. And at, and at the beginning, you're not quite sure as to why, um, you know, he seems to be practicing his guitar skills. It's like, you know, it may seem like an innocent thing at the time, right? Of course, mm. you figure out um, later on in the movie, like, why that scene is so important. Because, uh, because a lot of those beginning scenes, like, really set up the entire premise of, like, like, they may seem out of place in the beginning, 
But once you go through the movie and like go through the 1955 period, suddenly like it makes total sense as to why they showed you those seemingly inconspicuous scenes at the very beginning, right? Yeah, uh, this... And again, this was me going at the analytical angle this time by like keeping the whole story in my head. I had never realized how much the story sets itself up perfectly. And like I, I looked at the DVD player because I have it on DVD. So that's how I watched it. Um, I looked at the timer on the DVD player. It was around 35 minutes when I realized. They've set the entire movie story up. Everything you need to know, whether you've realized that's what they've done or not. Because um, yeah. first watch through, I don't know how much you caught on to, Will, because you yeah. didn't know the story. So you, yeah. were, But me knowing the story already, I went, oh my God, this linchpin, this linchpin, this linchpin. It's like they put all the pins in the corkboard already, and then we just had to follow the red thread to get to the end of the story. It was so well put together yeah it's just great yeah yeah and um, and yeah no i didn't i didn't notice any of that stuff until later on but but i but i do remember those scenes being presented at the beginning i'm like oh yeah that's right i mean it even took the um the like guitar um scene at the very beginning in doc's garage like mm. that 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 even took me like several hours after the movie to realize oh wait a minute right <laughs> yeah like like they start out with him playing a guitar and then it finishes with him playing the guitar right so like yeah so so much of this movie yeah it is very well set up in the first few minutes absolutely mm. um yeah. and um and i and i did have in my notes um uh, I and I don't remember. This is me. Uh, this is me. This is an example of me taking bad notes. <laughs> but <laughs> in, in my defense, you know, taking notes while trying to watch a movie is not my strongest suit. <laughs> but yeah, um, especially yeah. while you're doing it in a watch party that you can't pause. Because trust me, as someone that does a fan podcast for a television show and stuff, I pause frequently when I'm just watching something on my own. You don't have that ability, so I totally feel for you, Will. Yeah, but um, but do you remember um, there was somebody and I'm pretty sure this scene was when they were handing out the flyers um, for um, stopping the clock tower teardown. Um, I know which scene you're talking about. It actually takes place in the high school um, and it's when Strickland tells him no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. And oh yeah, that's where it's from. Strickland played by an actor, which I should have used IMDb and looked up his name, but an actor that all of a sudden clicked with me as someone that showed up in one of my favorite mystery shows as a regular member of the acting crew. And I went, oh God, that's Strickland. And the longest time I have, because I've been comfort watching, watching Nero Wolf lately. And he's part of the regular cast. And it had not clicked with me that that was Principal Strickland until I was sitting there watching it. And Strickland walks into frame and I go, oh, God, it's the same actor. <laughs> so yeah. so I had that great moment of unintended serendipity. Um, yeah. I, it, but, it, it, and then yeah. and then Marty looks at him and goes, well, history is about to change. And then. Yeah. Go, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and, and as soon as you hear that line, I was like, that is that is the most 
foreshadowing of a line <laughs> if, I, if I've ever heard one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, once again, may not seem like an important point now, but it's essential later. You know, mm. <laughs> like again, it's just like it, it, it's so good. But like I, yeah, like it. I, 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 I think that I think that it's it sets up the movie so well, and I, I gotta tell you, um. One of the things <laughs> this this was this one I had a gripe about not because I had a gripe about it but just because it was hilarious, right? Uh-huh. So um so Marty comes home from school right um <laughs> and, and 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 very early on you get this feeling that you know Marty McFly is like the cool kid around town like everybody you know everybody likes him right like he's he's kind of the popular kid right. A bit, but, yeah, yeah. But when he gets home and and you meet um his dad for the first time, uh, <laughs> yeah, George McFly, right off the get go, he is he is nervous as all get out because he's trying to calm down an angry customer. Um, and I believe it was um like the car, there was, was a car, Biff. Yeah. yeah, Biff. Um, yeah, Biff was renting out a car, I believe, and that's um and. And apparently what had happened was he um like it, it, it like the car like just malfunctioned for some reason and and he crashed, right? Which but, the way that I've always taken that scene is Biff just screwed up, but I am Biff. I could not possibly screw up, so your car must be defective. Mm, you know? Right. So. But I love how <laughs> I love how when he's, you know, upset about <laughs> about crashing the car, right? He's not he's not upset about the car being defective, right? Which could have, right. you know, killed him, right? He's more concerned about who's going to pay for his cleaning bill. I'm like, for real, my dude? Because he, quote, spilled a beer all over his suit. Like, excuse me, first of all? <laughs> yeah, first of all, you're, you're drinking and driving. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, you could have died. Like, Which, again sets Biff and sets George up perfectly too. This again, all of these scenes do so well to set these characters and these things up to where by the time we do go back to 1955, we understand everything already to where we're just we're set. We know everything Marty does and we can just fly on the same path that he's flying on. <laughs> yeah. Mhm. And uh yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um when and and so you you meet you start to meet um the the McFly family right and um and I didn't realize this until later on um but Lorraine um actually played both um roles um she um she played and I think um George the uh, um George did too where they yeah, yeah all but, of them did where they played both the previous I mean other than the ones that were like really young kids you know things like that mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. But all of them played the younger role and the older role, because I think for most of them, they just put age makeup on them for the older roles that they played. And then they just took the age makeup off of them and made them just their normal looking age. Right. For whenever they were playing the younger selves, even down to uh, Christopher Lloyd playing Doc Brown, they put a lot of age makeup on him and then just took it off. Right. And made him younger Doc Brown. So as they kind of did that with everybody. 
It yeah. was the old practice of, hey, I'm 30 for, slash 40 years old, but just pretend I'm a teenager, will you? <laughs> you know, right. Just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, to be fair, like, it, it looked pretty realistic to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> The, the the Lorraine uh starts telling the story because they're around the dinner table, right? And um and and she starts telling the story about how um you know your grandpa uh, almost ran over George and that's how him um him and I um met and fell in love. And <laughs> and initially initially I had a gripe about this because I'm just like, in what scenario would this possibly ever happen? But then, but then again, when when you go back in time, you understand why, and <laughs> you know, and it's completely um, alleviated, you know. So, so this is one where it's like at first I had a gripe about, but then uh, okay, I understand why now. <laughs> I still don't, I still don't get the story. Like, I still have a gripe about how would that this story ever happen in any context whatsoever. <laughs> but, but that's movies, I guess, for you at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh I uh so so Marty um gets a call from Doc, right? He um and you know Doc is like I got to show you this. Like come out here quick, right? Yeah. And um and he shows him um he shows him the time machine and when Doc is showing off the time machine <laughs> And I and I and I think and I think you'll especially appreciate this Sam because I know, uh, because I know your background, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think you'd be particularly triggered about this one when when he talks about like you could go back to uh, um, to see Christ's birth, and he punches in December twenty fifth and the year zero. I'm like, there's no year zero, <laughs> and that's not even close to when he would have been born. He'd be born in like October. October. There's so much. There's so much there. There's, there's like you're right. That is like the most triggering thing in the entire movie for me. Where it's like, well, Doc, you meant the best, but you weren't even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you, you might be able to get like you'd, you'd be get, you'd get somewhere with it, but not, right, not, yeah. where, not where you think you'd be. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and, and then, so Marty and Doc, um, test the time machine car, which, first of all, they tested it on a dog, which is, of course, you know, a little bit problematic, because what if the dog gets harmed? Everybody hates when the dog gets harmed in the movies. Like, you you can't just do that on us, right? (laughs) I mean, 90% of... Einstein gets away with it fairly unscathed, given that about 90% of the movies featuring dogs, the dog is dead at the end of it. I mean, there's so Einstein gets a pretty good deal in this one, if we're completely thinking about it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but um but uh but aside from that, um when the car when when the car um does when, when the car actually takes off and does the, mm. the time travel, right? It it conveniently sets the road on fire, and the t- and Doc is just standing there. I think both Doc and Marty, right? The, oh, you- Marty's trying to get out of the way, and Doc won't let him. He's like, "No, watch this, watch this." Right? Yeah, and he sets the fucking road on fire, 
And I'm like, you're standing in the middle of two fire flames. That is a fucking safety hazard. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I, I can't. Like, uh, come on. Like, and they do it multiple times, I'm pretty sure, too. Like, <sighs> good Lord. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, um, they, 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 uh, but Marty eventually does get, um, transported to 1955 and, um, and while he's trying to figure out where he's at, right. He goes to, um, he goes to this, um, I think it's like an ice cream parlor or like a restaurant or something. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like your old school pop shop, you know. Like you said, ice cream parlor, diner sort of combo they made back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Soda shop, stuff like that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when Marty in 1955 is suggesting um, that Marvin should run for mayor, I remember the shop owner saying, oh, mm. colored mayor, that'll go well. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and it's 1955. That's exactly how someone would have horribly reacted to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like my yeah, so so it's not even the fact that it's like I had a problem with it because yeah, I mean, sadly to be fair, that that is kind of what would happen, you know, sadly. But like the fact that it had to be portrayed was just kind of a yikes for me. I'm just like, "Ugh." <laughs> and and I love that the earlier in the movie you see one of Goldie Wilson's things go by and it's like Goldie Wilson is the progress mayor though. You know, a bunch of, you know, campaign promises. Then when we go back to 1955, <laughs> we see the mayor at the time. And what does it say? This mayor is the progress mayor. And it says about every single thing that Goldie Wilson's thing did. Now I'm not saying the movie was suggesting that Goldie Wilson ripped off everything for his mayoral campaign. It was more along the lines of going, you know, there's some things that don't change. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of them. <laughs> Yeah, the the more the more things um change, the more they stay the same, you know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. I I I I got to talk about the uh about the catchphrase, <laughs> make like a tree and get out. Like Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I get that it's an iconic line, but that's just not how trees work. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> where the hell do you get that from? I I don't un- like can you can you help me out here? Suppo- because it's supposed to actually be make like a tree and leave. It's supposed to be a horrible pun is the whole thing. And Biff's so dumb he can't even get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's an iconic line, sure. But I, I, I can't like, you know, um, once again, here's another example of me being a Dumbo. I have Darth Vader in my notes for some reason about this, and I can't remember why. Um, Marty having to convince George to accelerate out to the dance by breaking into his home, dressing up in the radiation suit, putting Van Halen in a tape deck and putting it on his head, and then mm. saying, I am Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, yeah, because it, that was not a thing in 1955. Okay, that makes right. more sense now. Okay. 
Um, yeah, and of course, Van Halen would sound like something an alien would torture you with instead of <laughs> what it actually is, right? <laughs> I I mean, but but wouldn't it be more appropriate to play Aerosmith though? Because you know, oh, don't want to miss a thing. Enough. You know. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was about to get on to you for having an opinion about Aerosmith, but I'll run back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a bad joke. It's fine. You don't yeah. have to laugh. <laughs> oh no, no, no. I get it. <laughs> but um, yeah. I yeah yeah. One one last one last problem I have though is that for some reason, you, you know, the there when the timeline starts to change, like. Rather than getting rid of you know different people, like like I, I, I'm surprised that this is how supposedly time travel works, right? Like when when the timeline starts to change on the movie, like uh, like when when Marty's in 1955 and when things that are supposed to happen don't happen, instead of like instead of just like it being a problem like i don't know like he constantly references um the picture that's in his wallet of his family right right and um and how like (laughs) and like how they're only missing heads and like it's like it's only the people in the picture that are missing their head and it doesn't affect marty until the very end of the movie like (laughs) like I feel like that may just be like a movie, a, a movie trope. Like that's how they had to do it for the movie. But like, I don't know. Like that, the idea of that happening to me is just so like, like I, I just don't see how that works because, because like when you're time traveling and like, and like you mess up something in the timeline, right? Like. I would expect your environment to, I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense from the standpoint that, you know, you're affecting the family tree as opposed to you're affecting the environment around you. Right. But I, I don't know. Like I, I, I had an issue with how, how that works, but like, I, I get it. It, 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 it does make it a better story like it paints it as a better story in that regard but just like this the sheer like i i can't think of it see i can't think of a good word to describe it like a lot of time travel things do this concept of if you take something here it will uh, okay i've whoever took a bet that Doctor Who was going to get quoted in the middle of this. Congratulations, (laughs) you just get paid out. Um, But uh, the Seventh Doctor once said, every decision creates ripples, like a huge boulder being dropped in the middle of a lake. And what he was referring to was, if you change something in a timeline, it ripples out like water in a lake. Um, And I've always kind of thought that that's kind of how the Back to the Future one handles it where it ripples and because it it starts with his older brother, the one that would have happened first. Then it happens with his sister and then he's the youngest one. So then he starts to feel it. Ah, okay. And the, the picture is an interesting visual way of doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's interesting. It's like time kind of ripples through and those changes, 
like water ripple through the timeline and then change the stuff as it goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely, when, when you put it in that context, it makes a whole lot more sense now to me. Like, yeah, I, that, okay. Fair enough. Way too much time travel on my part. That's the only reason why we could even figure that out. Oh yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. But, um, but, you know, despite those, like, minor grievances that I had with it, like, overall, like, this is actually a fantastic movie. And, um, mm. and, uh, and, and, you know, starting off with the soundtrack, I mean, oh, yeah, the, so- the soundtrack is pretty good, like, already, you know? Yeah, um, especially the two songs that Huey Lewis did for it, which I am a huge Huey Lewis fan. Like you, you give me anything Huey Lewis, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy myself, or possibly not sit back and enjoy myself. I'll probably be grooving out to it the entire time because <laughs> that man knows how to ride a rocking track. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but th- there are some interesting things with this, like for instance. Um, there is a movie that will be covered on this podcast in the future that he was going to do a soundtrack for and decided not to last minute. Next time you listen to the Ghostbusters theme song and then you listen to the Huey Lewis song, I Want a New Drug, listen to them very carefully Mm. because they're the same song, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So they just had Ray Parker, they just had Ray Parker Jr. do it instead. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So that was kind of something that stung with Huey Lewis to where whenever he then got approached for Back to the Future, he said, I'm not letting that happen again. Yeah, I'm doing this. Um, And it even went to the point to where he has a cameo in the movie. And it is one of my favorite cameos in history because you blink and you miss it. Um, There's a couple of cameos in the Back to the Future series that are that way, that are really subtle with... uh, people that play music and stuff like that. Uh, But Huey Lewis in particular, um, Marty's with his band, the Penheads, as they call themselves. Mm. And they're ironically playing Power of Love up on the stage. So they're playing Huey Lewis's thing. And the main teacher, that's the head of the committee that's trying to figure out what band he's sitting there. He's got a pair of glasses, so he's kind of hiding himself. But then he kind of looks and stands up, and while they are playing his own song, he picks up the board and says, fellas, fellas, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. (laughs) About his own song. So that was Huey Mm -hmm. Lewis telling them they were too loud playing his own song. It's just one of the best cameos. Yeah, and that that was in the, uh, that was, they were auditioning for the talent show, is that right? They were auditioning for the dance that year, I think, to be the band. Oh. It might have been the talent show, but I'm not. I think it was the school dance, and oh, that okay. also wraps around to him then playing at the Enchantment Under the Sea yep. dance. Where, well, his band didn't get to play, but he did get to play the school dance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, with and Mar- with with Chuck Berry's cousin, by the mm-hmm. way, while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, we mentioned Van Halen earlier and like how he brings Van Halen into 1955. I thought that was funny. Um, and uh, <laughs> I got I, I, I to start out with because um, because Marty uh, and, and, and this is how I could tell that Marty was like the popular kid in school 
because this was apparently going to be his fourth party um because he was <laughs> he was late for school again you know yeah and like, that's how he, you know he's the bad boy right <laughs> right exactly and like and and like marty's got a great girlfriend uh when uh, jennifer attempted to try to sneak him into class it didn't work out in the end but still noble i mean i i that that was so funny to me like yeah i'm sorry if you're if if you're dating me and i'm in school and you're late you're on your own i'm sorry that's, that's, <laughs> you're not getting that out of me yeah, <laughs> i'm one of those like, people so you're on your own kid <laughs> yeah so that was very noble of her to do that definitely yeah absolutely and while we're on the subject of Marty's girlfriend, uh, which she's only in really the beginning and the end of the movie. Um, and I, I, what's funny is I asked during our watch party, um, I said, so I assume this is Marty's love interest. Um, to which everyone responded with saying, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> because... Because you very quickly realize why they gave you why they gave me that answer as opposed to just flat out saying yes. Because, uh, yeah, I was predicting your reaction to this while I was watching the movie last night. So go ahead, give me give me what I was suspecting you were gonna say. Yeah, I, I mean, I I I do appreciate everyone saying it that way though because. Because when you realize uh, when you realize what's going on um, when Marty time travels, you're like, oh, right. Mm hmm. Uh, they were. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I completely understand. But like, but yeah, that was such a cheeky response coming from them. It, it was great. <laughs> um. And, uh, and and going along with that, you find you find out uh because because uh, you you find out the story of why um <laughs> of why uh <laughs> George gets run over or at least what's supposed to happen is George gets run over but then <laughs> then Marty starts messing everything up and mm. <laughs> and, and did that click with you instantly or was there a little bit of needing to figure that one out um it did uh, no i i did get the um the uh i did get that yeah no i because i remember i'm like oh yeah right that was the story they said earlier but um but of course <laughs> what 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 happens to george uh right beforehand is he's of course a beeping tom which <laughs> yeah i mean that moment that moment where marty looks up and goes he's a peeping tom like just in <laughs> utter disgust <laughs> right uh-huh uh-huh um <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh and 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 Marty at one point exclaims to Doc uh because what what ends up happening is um Marty I, I, does Marty get out of the uh, like Marty pushes George out of the way, I think, or like like he sees yeah. the oncoming car and, you know, your natural His instinct, instinct is that's my dad. Push. <laughs> right. Not realizing not realizing that that is absolutely essential to his entire existence <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah but um but but of course marty is now the one 
involved and then <laughs> and then his mother uh <laughs> his mother is his love interest which is very weird when you actually put it that way but <laughs> like it's a very weird and creepy concept when you actually think stop and think about it right right but i think i think the way i think they get away with it because you don't really have a lot of a a, a lot whole lot of a good chance to meet george and lorraine at the start of the movie and i think that was on purpose to to so that you don't have as much of that in your head while it's happening does that make sense that does make sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is probably a good narrative way um, for them to do that. And considering the way they put the rest of this movie together, I, I can't think that's a mistake. So, yeah, you're probably close to right on that one, if not completely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and, and while we're on that subject, uh, it's funny, uh, it's funny, uh, uh, that the like I, I love how like y- y- you y- you accidentally run into this guy right and your natural instinct is to just not to take him to the hospital right uh-huh. but to uh, but to take him into your home like just a random stranger into your home right and it just so happens that the um <laughs> it just so happens that Lorraine has a giant crush on on the person that is almost run over. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I did love, uh, Lorraine's nickname for him. Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein. <laughs> that was such a good line. Um, a little bit more information about Marty than I needed to know, but Hey, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh my God. Th- that, that was so perfect. I, I, but I will get into a little bit because, because that in and of itself is also a little bit messed up. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but let's co- let's cover the culture for a moment. Because mm. not only is this movie almost 40 years old at this point. Like it'll be 40 years old, believe it or not, in four years from when oh. we rip from when we record this episode. So it's about 40 years old at this point. So not right. only does it have that age of the movie, right? Like from it being in the 1980s, not only that, but it also covers two time periods. So it's got like double the chance of it being cringe years later. (laughs) Right. And and yet, and yet it's not right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It still manages to pull this off. I mean, I'm a huge fifties nut. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so whenever they go back to 1955, it's like candy to me. <laughs> there, there are people mentioned that I'd, I'd read this just to the joking nature of this podcast. Would I say you probably don't know who some of these people were that were even mentioned? Well, and I could give you an off the air account of these people. Uh-huh. Um, one of them, at least I will mention later in one of our notes. Um, but all those little details, like little things on signs, like, um, the record store had, oh God, what was the two things? Uh, Davy Crockett and 16 Tons were the two records that were the specials at the record store. Uh, several of the movie posters. Uh, th- th- there were just a bunch of things that were glorious about that 50s setup mm-hmm. that then also how they sort of... Um, 
gonked up everything, for lack of better terms, in order for it to be uh, the 80s version of Hill Valley was interesting. Like that line uh, where Doc and Marty go to the high school and he goes, man, they cleaned this place up, didn't they? <laughs> you know, mm. just as a funny way of saying it, it doesn't look like that where I come from. Yeah, because <laughs> sort of you, you notice uh, the graffiti on the on the walls of the high school um, in, um, in the outside shot when Marty arrives in 1985. And yeah, it looks so prestige and classy in the 50s. <laughs> Uh-huh. Although I do love the moment in the um, cafeteria where he goes, there's Strickland. Just did, did he ever have hair? <laughs> 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 <was> like, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that that is one area of the story where like, because like, you know, 30 years ago, um, you know, he still looks the same. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. maybe he just has the best, like, anti-aging cream or something, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, uh, yeah, that that one was the most, like... That, um, that did take me out of the story a little bit when I was like, okay, this guy looks the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I have had that with some teachers where once I've become an adult in my 30s and everything like that, and then I get to see a teacher again, it's like, you look exactly like you did whenever I was it. You know, so some people just age gracefully where they don't okay. really change anything. So it's interesting. Yeah, and maybe but, he, yeah, maybe he is that deep, uh, that, you know, principal or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, let's, uh, yeah. So, let's, let's talk about it. Um, so, uh, I mentioned I would talk about this. So, <laughs> I I gotta mention that uh, that um, going back to uh, going back to the whole um, <clears throat> Calvin Klein line, for lack of a better term, right? Um, yeah, yeah. N- not only uh, he, he, this is I maybe I should have put this in the my gripes about this because I don't personally have a gripe about this, but I wonder if people would have a gripe about this nowadays. Because uh-huh. when you when you when you stop and realize it, like <laughs> Lorraine pretty much removed Marty's pants without his consent. If you really think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And and not only that, um, when he's actively trying to run away from her after after school to go back to Doc's um, garage, she even admits that she pretty much stalks him all the way back to Doc's place. And uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like given, given our c- climate nowadays, like, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how, how this is perceived in today's climate, because I, I genuinely can't answer that question. Right. Yeah. Me, me and you are not the best, uh, gauges of that sort of thing. We're usually the ones sitting in the back going, someone had a problem with this. I don't <laughs> you know, sort of because, thing. because here's, because here's my, because here's my thing. It's like, I personally don't have a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but like, <laughs> and mine is in my future profession, I have to understand why people would have problems with things, even if I don't. So it's me doing that in right. the spectrum. So like the two of us are both the ones that go, yeah, I can see that. I don't have that personally, but I could see how yeah. that could happen. Yeah, I can see thing. how this be how can how this can be a problem, 
I don't personally have a problem with it, but I can see why. <laughs> it is beautifully framed within, again, another moment in the early movie where Lorraine goes, oh, I don't like that girl. It, girls calling boys or chasing a boy. I never did that when I was her age. Uh, as as a specific person in a mash unit on a television show once said, horse hockey. <laughs> uh, <there's, laughs> or, 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 or let, let, let me let me say it for you bullshit <laughs> there we go but yeah but yeah it, it is this great moment where she talks about that i literally looked over at my mom and said thank you for not being one of those parents <laughs> oh when i was your age i'd never uh, yeah know, oh stop it come on <laughs> um since I mentioned uh, since I mentioned gas prices on our last show about Die Hard, I figured I'd bring it up on this um, episode again because because I noticed two different gas prices shown in this movie. Nineteen eighty five gas gas was a dollar and nine cents. Whoop de doo. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it, the, it's it's honestly not too far off these days. I mean, maybe mm. not in maybe not out west, but here where I'm right. from. You know, plus I'm, we got inflation to deal with and stuff like that. So sure. there's adjustments to be made, but yeah. yeah. So like, so like, honestly, like that's not too far off. You know what I mean? Like, but in 1955, though, I don't know if you caught this, but there's a little sign um, on the gas station down at the bottom. 19 and a half cents for uh-huh. a gallon of gas. <laughs> yep. Which again, inflation, people. This is how this works. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of 1985 versus 55, um, <laughs> this is this 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 is just so much better now, given um who uh, who uh, the outgoing president um when we're recording this episode, like given uh-huh. give, given uh who the outgoing president is. You know, back in '85, um, Reagan was president, right? And I right. love, and I love how he's listed on a, a poster for a movie that he's starring in, uh, and it, and it's right outside that ice cream parlor. Um, if you look just slightly um, um, to the left of Marty, you would see um, Ronald Reagan prominently put on the movie poster. Um, yeah. and not only that. When uh, when Marty is trying to prove to Doc um, that he's from the future um, in 1955 in the 1955 time period, right? He um, he he proves it by saying that the current president who the current president's Ronald Reagan. To which Doc responds, "The actor and <laughs> and given who's our- vice president <laughs> Jerry Lewis, I suppose." <laughs> and then he goes through all these ones. My favorite one in the whole thing, and here's where I probably go pull a name you don't know, Will, but I still have to pull it. One of my favorite radio comedians of the 40s, 50s, that era. He says, I suppose that Jack Benny is the Secretary of the Treasury. If you know who Jack Benny is, that's a killer line because the whole bit for that man was he was supposed to be this extraordinarily cheap man. That was the whole comedy bit, was that everyone hated how cheap Jack Benny was. He sort of played the straight man to everyone else that was disgusted with how cheap he was. So for him to say, I suppose he's Secretary of the Treasury, that was a killer line, and I loved it. Yeah, uh uh-huh. 
And 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 like I said, you know, given our current political climate, like this just makes this line even more funny watching it today. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And and I am so setting myself up because I'm not going to have this much trivia about other episodes. I'm probably going to be in on this podcast, so do not expect this much trivia in every episode of this. I'm in people, <laughs> um, but I do know that I think it was Robert Zemeckis that was telling this story, if I remember properly. Um, Whenever that line originally came in theaters, people apparently went up to him and went, man, that's a nice zinger you got on Reagan. And he was like, what do you mean? And then they told him, he's like, we we didn't mean that as a zinger. We we weren't trying to pull one on Reagan. We just, that was just how someone would have reacted if they said an actor, which apparently it was perfectly fine. He kind of panicked because he was like, oh crap, if everyone's thinking this what's reagan gonna think right you know it's like that becomes a thing for concern apparently whenever reagan saw this he cackled his hat off like he loved it to bits that line was in there yeah and and honestly like i can see reagan being a good sport about it like absolutely he is one of those presidents where despite how you, however you feel about his political leanings, the sure. man had some pretty good jokes. He did. <laughs> he did. He was good at that crap. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um <laughs> I love I loved uh, I love this next one. This is just kind of a throw <laughs> throwaway one, but uh, mm. <laughs> but in 1955 the idea of having two TVs because <laughs> he because he mentioned uh, I think Marty mentions it at the dinner table and one of the kids just was like you must be rich rich <laughs> <laughs> and at, yeah. at the time that would have been ridiculous right now sure. we can buy tiny television like I I'm legitimately doing inventory right now I've got one in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. One in the studio here, and then a big one in the living room. And this is me in a trailer. Okay, so yeah, it's- <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, I've got a TV behind me right here. I've got what you can consider three kind of TVs right in front of me here. My my phone's in the other room. Like, yeah, yeah, if we're not also counting things like phones and monitors as televisions while we're at it too, that's. <laughs> Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. That kid would have lost his mind if he had known about all that stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and um, I and I I can't finish this podcast without mentioning the classic line, which I finally uh, th- th- this is so much of a treasure for me to f- find these lines because just like um, just like in Die Hard, like like we discussed in the last episode. Um, I didn't realize that um, Bruce Willis saying "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker." I didn't realize that that was in Die Hard. You know, oh, like I, okay. I knew, I knew, yeah, right. I knew the line existed for so long because it's such an iconic mm. line, right? Um, but it, yeah. but it's the same thing with this, uh, where at the end of the movie, um, uh, they're on the phone because uh, I think Marty's doing Van Halen at this point. Uh, and he and the guy he's, on the phone. Yeah, he's play. OK, this is this is one of those weird ones where I have heard people complain about this because he's playing Johnny B. Good. Uh, I think originally Chuck Berry did it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So 
you have Chuck Berry's cousin, Marvin Berry, calling him and saying, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. Yeah. Some people have do- have called BS on the whole grandfather paradox of the whole thing of mm. being, well, doesn't that mean that we have just taken the creativity of Chuck Berry away from him? It's like, no, there was one song. <laughs> Chuck Berry still had to come up with all those other songs. Marty didn't give him a songbook. That was just like, this is your sound, you know? So... Yeah, that, that doesn't take away as much freedom isn't the right word. I'm trying to come up with the right word, but it, it's it totally it, lost me at this yeah, point. Yeah, it doesn't mess up the story as much as you might think, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't screw up Mar- uh, Chuck Berry's idea of Chuck Berry that much. Because um, mm-hmm. it it is just one idea, and then brain goes boom, and he comes up with all these other awesome tunes. Chuck Berry's amazing. Um, but mm-hmm. it's still that thing. And I had never noticed it before, but Marvin Berry, the name is on the drum kit. Oh. It's it's Marvin Berry and whatever the name of the band was, but I was too busy. I didn't catch the name of the band because I was too busy going, Marvin Berry is on the drum, and I'd never noticed that till just now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's that's kind of interesting <laughs> that Marty might be responsible for Chuck Berry, some people say, and I'm like, well, yeah, you know. But then he is doing all of those things that um uh that Michael J. Fox really wanted to do. He wanted to get as many tributes to as many rockers of the eighties as possible in there. So mm-hmm. like he's doing some Van Halen moves and he's doing yeah. a bunch of other moves from like all these different rockers and it just gets crazier and crazier as he goes. Like he gets them all down pat too. I yeah. mean uh Michael J. Fox actually practiced how to play Johnny B. Good. He doesn't actually play it or sing it in it. But theoretically, at the time, if you had t- given him a guitar and said, play this, he could have. Mm. He just mm. didn't because of how they made it. But he practiced yeah. that way. His fingers would be in the right places whenever he was doing it. So there's but, that. But but turns out even 80s music, they weren't ready for it in the 50s because <laughs> Marty is like, oh, you guys weren't ready for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But your kids are going to love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um. And then uh, finally, uh, when Marty returns to 1985, it seems like it's hopeless because um, you, you immediately see the Libyans um, going after, mm. um, you know, going after uh, Doc again, right? And you know, yeah. it seems hopeless because the Libyans kill Doc again, or at least we thought, right? <laughs> right. Because uh, because he ha- because he has a bulletproof vest. Turns out. Um, and he was just faking it so that the Libyans would, you know, get off his get off his ass, you know. But um, despite the entire time not wanting to read uh, Marty's warning that he put um, for Doc, it's like open this in 1985, right? Yeah, and and I and even at one point, like ripping it up, like he <laughs> like before Marty takes off for the um to go back to 1985. Like he rips up the entire letter, right? Mm. Um, but um, but he still has it when he gets back, which suggests that they have gone back in time more than once, right? 
because either that or he just glued it together. I don't I don't know. Either one is completely possible, right? So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm willing to believe the theory that they've been um, that they've been time traveling multiple times, but that's just me. <laughs> you never know with Doc, to be honest. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, before I give my final rating, uh, Sam, I got to get your opinion on this because okay. a lot of people in the watch party believe that now that I've watched this movie, that I absolutely need to watch Back to the Future Part Two because. It's kind of, um, I've been told it's a continuation of mm. this movie, right? Because at the very end, um, Doc, Marty, and Marty's current girlfriend, Jennifer, they're talking about going into the future, 2015, which is funny because, you know, there's the classic, there's the other classic line, Doc at the end says, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And we still don't have flying cars in 2021, sadly. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> and, yeah. And it, and, and, and it seems to me that when it comes to predicting the future, um, like people were great in the seventies and eighties at predicting the early two thousands. But anytime someone tries to guess what's going to happen beyond the two thousands, I feel like we're not even close, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I but, think it's because of how technology advances at the rate it does at this point. We can't, yeah, whatever. We'll just, we'll just th- throw things at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but going back to that question, um, mm. part two, should we have a, uh, should we do a podcast on part two? Not only part two, part three. I'm one of those that believes in the full trilogy as a thing. You're going to have some people say some stuff about part three. And I say, I'll fight you on that one. Um, we we even had but, some people in the watch party as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yes, at least part two. But again, I say you need to go through the whole trilogy. Um, Cause yes, part two does go from that exact scene Onwards, so it starts literally at the end of Back to the Future One. Uh, funny thing about that, they never really intended this movie to have a sequel. They did that part at the end as a joke. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And then a bunch of people said, "So when's the sequel coming out?" They went, "What do you mean a sequel?" <laughs> well, you set us up for the sequel, and enough people asked to where they were like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> so they decided to make it a trilogy, um, and they made the last two movies at the same time pretty much so they were all the same production um but it it was things like zemeckis said look if we had intended to actually make a sequel do you think we would have put jennifer in the car Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i won't spoil anything for you for part two but they really had to had put themselves in a corner putting jennifer in that car (laughs) so yeah so we will that that is like a little teaser for whenever you talk about part two of the whole Mm. good lord we put jennifer in the car how do we get out of this one (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh and i leave it there no further will be spoken okay about but yeah it's interesting to say the okay least. i like how i like how just that um alone and even going beyond that is a spoiler so i'm i'm excited mm. to find out about that um so let, let's let's finish this off um what are our final ratings um as amos did last episode thumbs up or oh let me see if it, yeah thumbs up or thumbs down right definitely a thumbs up 
Yep. Yep. Thumbs up for me. This was such a fun movie. I I mm. enjoyed it so much. And and yeah, actually, I I it really makes me want to watch part two and part three. Uh, mm. at, at, as, um, at least part two. At least part two. Um, may it, 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 we may have to. I don't know if there's enough demand for part three to do a podcast on. I'll I'll watch part three on my own time, right? Mm. But de- but definitely part two should have. We should do a, another entire podcast dedicated to part two. Because spoiler alert, part two also ends like part one and totally sets you up for part three. So ah. there there is that. <laughs> it, it, I see. It, this whole thing definitely is all three movies are pretty much a continuing story all the way through. Um, but yeah, some people don't like part three. Uh, it takes place in the Wild West. Again, oh, that's, okay. that's, not, that's not completely a spoiler. So I think I'm fine telling you that just with the settings because it's different sure. time periods of Hill Valley, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so some people don't like that setting and certain stuff. So it's, but, and that one contains one of my favorite cameos in all of Back to the Future. And some people already know what cameo I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I would mm-hmm. recommend all three, but at least part two, if you're going to have to cut one of them, at least part two. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, okay, that is uh, that is the end of it. But before we head out of here, um, we do have some feedback. Thank you, everybody, for um, for sending in emails at email at cinemavention.com. If you want to get um, your thoughts on the show, that is the best way to do so email at cinemavention.com make sure you put the movie that you're discussing in the subject line so that i can you know sort it easier um but we got an email from someone named sam lewis (laughs) i i'm not quite sure who this guy is but (laughs) sounds like a weirdo yeah uh uh-huh but uh, but they write, hey, Will, love the first episode. Has anyone else out there noticed that the guy that takes over the front desk for the terrorists? Oh, and I should mention, we are we are talking about Die Hard now. Now, so if you haven't seen our previous episode um, and if you haven't seen Die Hard yet, which you should um, mm. um, spoilers potentially ahead uh, for Die Hard. So just fair warning here. But hey, Will, love the first episode. Has anyone else out there noticed that the guy that takes over the front desk for the terrorists in Die Hard is the splitting, spitting image of Huey, yeah. Huey Lewis? I literally had to look it up when I first watched the movie. And although IMDb is failing me as I write this, it's totally not him. Keep up the good work. Yeah. What, thoughts on That's- that? That's that's always been one of my weird things about Die Hard is that the guy that takes over the front desk totally looks like Huey Lewis. And it's appropriate that it came out to because I didn't know this was going to be the next episode and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But if you want to compare and contrast, look at the guy at the front desk and Die Hard and then look at Huey Lewis in his cameo in Back to the Future. Uh-huh. They got the same hair, the same build, kind of the same face. And it's just so weird that the guy looks like Huey Lewis, kind of even sounds like him. And it's not Huey Lewis. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. Every single time we watch Die Hard, because it's one of our yearly Christmas movies, uh, mm-hmm. that and Muppet Christmas Carol are two things, which if you haven't watched that, Will, put it on the list and put okay. me down. Okay, what what so. is it? Muppet Christmas Carol? Yes. Okay. Um, 
contains one of the best versions of Ebenezer Scrooge, in my opinion. So mm, okay, Michael Michael Caine plays him in that. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's one of our year, and every single year without fail, I think Bob and Dad wait for it at this point. Whenever he shows up to that desk, and I go, "Hey, Huey." <laughs> because <laughs> it's it looks like him it's, it's ridiculous yeah. so yeah yeah oh okay yeah so thank you for uh for submitting that uh email again email at cinemavention.com or if you want to uh drop a tweet at cinemavention on twitter as well um although you are limited to 240 characters on twitter so but uh email at cinemavention.com at cinemavention on twitter now, before before we before we wrap up the show, um, two final uh, notes I want to end on um, because we were talking about how um, um, you know similarities between characters and everything. Mm. Christopher Lloyd, I actually knew who Christopher Lloyd was before um, Back to the Future because right. if you were an avid um, PBS watcher um, when I when I was around back in the day. You remember you remember a little show called Cyber Chase, and oh, that yeah. that show that show was great. And um, Christopher Lloyd plays the villain in in Cyber Chase, and it's so good. He does a great job at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Lloyd is one of those really weird, versatile, and this is a good, really weird, uh, mm-hmm. but versatile actors that I'm pretty sure whatever you threw at him. He could totally pull off without even breaking a sweat. Absolutely. <laughs> so and, al- and also Gilbert Gottfried's in it too. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, of course. Yeah. For, for a kid's show, mind you, by the way. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I know my parents had some, had some issues with that back in the day <laughs> that he was involved with that. But yeah, that, that, that's another podcast. <laughs> he was a Yago in Aladdin for Pete's sakes. Come on. This <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um and uh and and the uh the the woman who plays uh Lorraine, I swear, like when I was watching this movie, I swear I've seen her before. You know, I'm like You're... the entire time I was watching this movie, I'm like, I have definitely seen her in something else, but I can't figure out what. Yeah, Leah Thompson is one of those actresses. She's been in a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm having problems remembering what I've seen her in too. I've got the same feeling. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, but that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh, thank you so much for uh, watching and listening to this episode, uh, Sam. Again, thank you so much for being uh, my second guest here on the Cinemavention show. Uh, tell the people what you have going on. Well, if you want to find my podcast content, all of that stuff, I I have a problem, guys. I make so much stuff. <laughs> uh, head on over to tscn.tv. And if you want to find all of my social media stuff, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch. I've made it all very simple for you. All you got to do is find TSCN Sam, and you'll find me there. Mm-hmm. Samcast Network Sam. Perfect. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but um, there you go, uh, tscn.tv. Um, and I'm doing a watch party for each of the movies that we review on the show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, I stream it live over on my Twitch, where you can also find me live every Wednesday and Friday night. That's over at twitch.tv slash one. But if you can't make it to the party, 
don't worry. We have the watch party available afterwards exclusively to the people who support the show on Patreon. You get your very own RSS feed if you head over to patreon.com slash is one And what's cool about it is you get the uh, the main episodes that go to everybody in that same feed. So you don't have to subscribe to two different feeds. It's actually pretty cool. Um, but uh, if you have thoughts about the movie we discussed today, you can join the Cinemavention channel in my Discord over at GameNightDiscord.com. Send us an email, email at Cinemavention.com. If you want to see all the previous movies that we've covered on this show, head on over to cinemavention.com where every single episode is there for your enjoyment along with the show notes, a whole lot more. And there's a little subscribe link there where you can subscribe on your favorite podcatcher of choice. We just got approved on iHeartRadio. Um, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, tons of different options for you to subscribe. Um, if if it's on, if you have a favorite podcatcher, chances are we're probably there. So just look up Cinemavention and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the movie E.T. with The Ritual Misery's Kent Fellier. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about that. And I hope you will be um, excited to see that episode. Because until then, we'll see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)